Who here had a great Christmas morning so far? Raise your hand if you had a great Christmas morning. Awesome. All right. I, um, yeah, mine was pretty good. I got to um, wake up around uh, 6 a.m. to open presents with my four children. In fact, this is a picture of my four children right here this morning. They're getting all their stockings. My wife puts a lot of effort into the stockings, which I didn't know was a thing. And then so my kids are like, oh, can't wait for the stockings. I'm like, what about the presents? All right. But they love them. And then, uh, so, so yeah, it's been a great Christmas. It's obviously a time of, of joy and cheer. And when you have kids especially, it's awesome to see your kids joyful opening a present. Am I right? Um, I love giving presents. I love receiving presents. I'm a big fan. In fact, my sister is in town with us. She's uh, from Toledo. But me and my sister have a, um, a relationship where we pick on each other a lot. You know, she'll be like talking to me and I'm like, I didn't ask. And then I'll just walk away. You know, like we were very rude to each other. Well, she got me this book here. And this is a great gift. It's called The Bathroom Guest Book. And so what you do is you put it in your bathroom. And then when you have guests over, they fill it out while they're in the restroom. And so there's... Uh, like one of these is rate your experience. How was the seat comfort out of five stars? Uh, the flush strength, the ambience, the paper quality, the amenities. And then this is a good one, the soundproofing, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. And then uh, during your visit, there's a little checkbox here. Did you look in the medicine cabinet? If you did, check it off. Um, did you, I, I'm going to skip a couple of these, all right. Did you respond to work emails and messages? Did you scroll through your social media? Um, did you act to prevent any splashback? I shouldn't have read that one. I'm sorry. And then, and then here's a good one. Read through the entire guest book so you see who else has been there. So if you guys ever come to my house and you see this in my restroom, uh, leave us good reviews, please. All right. Um, but but it's, it's a good time of joy. It's a time of happiness. Like I said, I love seeing my kids open presents and smile and stuff. And I'm going to show you this video here in just a second. And in this video, I, I, this is my challenge for you. Try not to smile when you watch this video, all right? That little hint that you just got a second ago shows that I think it's going to be impossible because there's something about the joy of a baby, okay? So this video you're about to see is our sound guy, um, uh, Matt Burleson and his wife Morgan, um, their daughter who's about one year old, her name is Lucy, and she apparently loves catchphrases on cereal boxes, okay? That's all I'll say. So check this video. I'll try not to laugh. Pop crack Give a big round of applause for Miss Lucy, everybody. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Good time. Good time of the year to celebrate, uh, to celebrate, to have joy, all this stuff. Well, that has nothing to do with my message. So let's get to the message, all right? If you guys have your bulletin there, um, there's uh, some notes there that you can fill out. I called Pastor Joe right before the service, and I said, hey, is there any way that we can put some partitions up in front of the balconies? I was like, nobody's going to be here. Like, let's try to get everybody down here. And if you look around... The true Christians right here. Great job, everybody, for coming to church on Sunday. It's you guys. And, and Pastor Joe told me that. He goes, ye of little faith. Let's see what happens. And I said, all right. And sure enough, a lot of you guys showed up. So that's awesome. Has anybody, um, first, before I ask this question, go, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn your Bible to uh, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Okay, we're going to be reading from there in just a minute. 
And as you're turning, I want to ask you this question. Has anybody here ever heard the term FOMO? Anybody ever heard this term before, FOMO? F-O-M-O, all right? Say it out loud if you know what it stands for. There it is. Fear of missing out. Now, this is an epidemic sweeping our country nowadays where a lot of people have uh, FOMO. And essentially, it's this idea that you're, you're, you, you have anxiety over missing out on things that other people get to partake in. And I'm convinced, because this is a real thing nowadays, like people struggle with this, and I'm convinced that social media is to blame. If you go to social media, you'll see uh, social media, is, it's, it's not often people's uh, uh, imperfections. They're not just like, oh, I'm struggling with this. Let me post it. They go, no. They, they're showing their highlight reel, right? When you're looking at somebody's social media, you go, man, they got it made. They got it so good. And it results in this FOMO where people go, that guy got a nice new car. I want that car. I don't want to miss out on a nice new car. Man, look at them. They're doing this. And, and so FOMO is this thing. And, and I heard of this, um, this trend going around where uh, FOMO can be weaponized right now. Uh, I, I heard, I don't know if you guys know this, but teenage girls, and I, I apologize if you're a teenage girl, they're some of the meanest people in the world, all right? Teenage girls, there is a trend going around right now where what they'll do is like five girls will go get coffee together, and then they'll take their selfie, they're like, besties, and they take their selfie, and then they post it online, and what they'll do is they'll tag a girl who wasn't there. And so what happens is this girl gets on her social media and she just goes, oh, I, what? They didn't invite me. And they're like, hey, I'm with all my best friends. And I mean, it's a pretty terrible thing, right? I was like, man, that would make me feel sad if somebody did that to me. And so people are weaponizing this um, and, and they do it to make them feel jealous. Now, before we go into that, I want to just... Um, we're just going to recap this series. Over the last couple of years, I don't get to preach often, so when I do, I've been going through a series. So if you've been following along, God bless you, you've got good patience. But the series is called, uh, Do You See What I See? And normally, people will ask me, they'll be like, oh, is that a, is that a Christmas theme? And I go, uh, no, it should be, though. You know, do you see what I, it's that Christmas song. And so today, it is. So what we're going to do, um, I asked Matt, he does our graphics. I said, can we, like, make this a little more Christmassy? And look what he did. There we go. Just put a little, uh, put a nice little oven or a Christmas mitten over the face there and then the snow. But what we're going to do is in this series, Do You See What I See? We've been going through and we're talking through the book of James and, and, and we're taking these concepts in James. And I'm asking this question uh, fr from God's perspective. Do you see what I see? So when we talked about the first week I did this series, it was on people. Do you see people the way God sees people? Your faith, do you see faith the way that God sees people? Because we said this before, it doesn't matter how you see people. It matters how God sees people. You have to line up with how God does, right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to follow that theme today, and we're going we're gonna to focus on a very, I think, relevant uh, person today, and that is Jesus, okay? Do you see Jesus correctly? It's a Christmas uh, theme, right? Do you see Jesus correctly? And, and the sad thing is, is I don't think a lot of people do. In fact, I think there's a lot of us Christians, maybe some even in this room, we, we struggle seeing Jesus the way he should be seen. So what I, what I want you to do is when you see Jesus correctly, you, or I'm sorry, when you don't see Jesus correctly, you're missing out. You're missing out. All right? And so my main point for today, and this is on your bulletin there if you want to fill this out. Um, the main point, it's blank, but here's the main point. Don't miss what Jesus has done and is doing. All right? Don't miss what Jesus has done and is doing. And as 2023 comes, I mean, we're days away from 2023, right? Didn't 2022 just go by like that? It's crazy. The older I get, the faster time goes. But what I want you to do as we start this new year is I want you to have FOMO. 
okay? I want you to fear missing out on what God has in store for you. I want you to, to fear that, that you're, that you're going to miss out on what God has in store for your life, right? So the question that I, that that I want to ask you as we open up here is, for all of us in this room, these are some questions that hopefully you're thinking about, is are, are you just getting by, right? You're a Christian. Are you just getting by? Does it feel like life is just, eh, whatever, you're just getting by? If that's the case, that's not, that's not what God wants for you, okay? Um, here's another question is, are you happy with your walk with the Lord or could it be better? I would imagine everybody in this room would say your walk with the Lord could and should be better. Amen? Right? So, so that's a question that we should be asking. And then another one is this is, are you allowing yourself to live the fulfilling life of someone who is sold out for Christ? There's a lot of us that are missing what God has in store for us. So today what we're going to do is I just want to give you three questions to ask yourself that I think will help you avoid missing out on what God has in store for your life. So if it's okay with you, what we'll do is um, if you could stand, we're going to read John chapter 1. Let's stand as I read this scripture. We'll read John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 14 to 18. And then I'll ask these, uh, I'll pray and then we'll ask these questions. All right? And the, the words are on the screen. The scripture's on the screen. John 1, 14 to 18 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we've all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And then verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for um, this opportunity that we all get to come together and worship you on Christmas Day. And Lord, as we just take a moment to reflect on the birth of our Savior, of the Messiah who came to save us, Lord, I just, we just thank you so much for that. So be with me as I speak. Be with everyone as they listen. And, and Lord, I just pray that everyone in this room can just be very attentive to what it is you want for their life, God, that we don't miss out on the abundant life that you have for us. God, we love you so much. We thank you, and we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And all of God's children said, amen. amen. You may take your seats. So, like I said, I'm going to ask three questions. The first question is, are you listening? Okay, you can write that down in your blank. Are you listening? The passage that I just read, it tells us a couple things about Jesus. And, and hopefully you guys have read John chapter 1. It's a great chapter, uh, which really uh, tells us who Jesus is. And in this passage that I just read, we learn a couple things. It tells us that Jesus is the one and only Son of God. Okay, kind of a big deal. All right. Jesus, um, uh, it says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It says that grace after grace after grace comes through Jesus Christ. And then lastly, it says no one has ever seen God, but Jesus revealed God to us. So Jesus, when he was here, I mean, he made some very bold claims about who he was. And he claimed to be God, and we know that he was. And the fact that Jesus came and walked among us means that we got to see God in a physical form, right? You could never see God before then. So Jesus, a lot of people will, will throw out this idea that Jesus was just this good man, that he was a prophet, he was a good teacher and a rabbi. But we know as Christians, and I'm expecting an amen after this, that Jesus was so much more. Amen? amen. All right. He was so... <laughs> Great job, guys. All right. He, it was so much more, right? He was this Messiah that people were waiting for. The Old Testament had all these prophecies of this coming Messiah. So people were waiting for this. And when Jesus came, he proved it over and over and over again. 
He healed people. He taught with authority. He died on a cross, and then he rose again from the dead three days later. I don't know anybody else who's done that, all right? I don't know anybody else who's died and then rose himself from the dead. I mean, this, this makes him God. So many people saw what Jesus did, and they worshiped him as the Messiah. They, they, they uh, listened to what he was saying, and they followed what he was saying, and they acknowledged that he was God. However, there were also many people who completely missed it completely missed it, right? The, uh, there was a lot of Jewish people, right, that knew this Messiah was coming. They were expecting him to come. But when Jesus came, they looked right past Jesus. They looked right past him. There was another time later on before his crucifixion when Jesus is standing before Pilate, the Roman official, and, and he asked this crazy question. He goes, what is truth? And Jesus, I mean, is the way, the truth, and the life, right? He's looking truth right in the face. And he asked the question, what is truth? He completely missed it. So all the people that followed Jesus, there was a bunch of people that completely missed the fact that the Messiah was walking among them. And the reason is Jesus was not what they were expecting. He was not what they were expecting. If, if, you, if you were to ask a Jewish person back in the day, a, a big consensus with a lot of them was Jesus or, or this Messiah that was coming was going to be this mighty warrior who rode in on a horse with a sword that was ready to destroy Rome. They were like, our Messiah is going to be the guy who's going to overtake Rome. And this was not what happened, right? They were expecting this warrior. They were not expecting the son of a carpenter who was born in a stable with barn animals, right? That's not, that's not the Messiah they were expecting, right? So while Jesus was walking this earth, so many people missed out because they weren't listening to what he was saying. And like I said before, Jesus didn't hide who he was. He proclaimed who he was, but they still didn't listen. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, he was very clear. He, he, he would say things like, I forgive you of your sins. Only God forgives people of their sins. And so for him to say that showed that he was God, right? So, so he proclaimed who he was, but time and time again, people didn't listen. This was back in those days. But I'm telling you, here's, here's what I think the reality is. I think it's not much different today. I think there's a lot of people who are missing who Jesus is. And sadly, I think even in the church, and, and again, I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I, 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 I just don't fully uh, acknowledge Jesus for who he is. There are days when I forget to praise him. I forget to do all these things, right? And so my question for this first, this first section here is, are you listening to God? All right, are you listening to God? Because if you don't listen to God, you're going to miss out on what he wants for you. If you don't listen to God, you're going to miss out. And I expect there, like I said, there's a lot of Christians and fellow believers, and I'm talking to believers here, right, that, that maybe you're not listening to God the way you should be. And, and, and I think there's probably two big reasons that a lot of us don't. So if you want to write these down, here's the first one. The first one is your sin, okay? Could your sin be preventing you from listening to God? Now, I don't have these on the screen here, but um, maybe you have sin in your life that is preventing you from hearing from God. If you feel like you're not hearing from the Lord, maybe you should do a little inventory of yourself and see if there's a sin that you need to confess and repent of. I, hopefully, I'm not alone. Like, there's times where if I'm dealing with a sin, I'll try to cover it up, sweep it under the rug. It's like no big deal. That's not good. You got to repent of the sin. I'll tell you, my, um, my youngest son uh, in the picture I just showed you, his name is James. He's four now. When he was three, last year, my wife was out of the house. I'm at home probably cooking my famous mac and cheese out of the craft box. It's the only meal I know how to make. So I'm, I'm making mac and cheese for my kids. And my son James walks by. And I get this aroma. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, it smelled to high heaven. It was disgusting. And, and I looked down and, it, and my son James was there and he's got his diaper on and clearly it was a dirty diaper. <laughs> like the diaper was sagging. It was, it just looked worn. And I was like, okay, we, it's time to change the diaper. So my 11-year-old Maura, I said, Maura, take James upstairs. I'm cooking this world famous mac and cheese. Can you go upstairs and change his diaper? And she goes, all right. So a couple minutes later, James comes back downstairs, and he's got a new diaper on. I look down. It's a nice, crisp diaper. And I'm like, okay, good. We're, we're off to a good start here. And then he walks past me again, and the same thing. I was like, oh, my goodness. It smelled to high heaven. And I was like, why is that smell? And I looked down, and, and I said, man, maybe it just baked into his skin, and I need to give him a, a bath or something, right? So I take him upstairs, and, and I'm getting ready to put him in the shower. And right as, as, as I'm about to put him in, I pull his diaper down, and what had happened is the dirty diaper was under the clean diaper. And I was like, what? How did, what? And so I said, Maura, what happened? She goes, he said he knew how to change his own diaper. I was like, he's three. He's three. He doesn't know how to change his own diaper. So, but James said it. He says, I know how to do my own diaper. And he just got a new one and put it on. And so what's funny is I was like, well, that's the reason the smell is there. Immediately, I ran downstairs to my computer. I was like, this is going to be a great sermon illustration. So I type it into my computer and stuff. And, and think about your sin this way, right? Like, it does no good to cover your sin up, right? It does no good to just try to sweep it under the rug. you got to change your spiritual diaper. Write that down. Write that down. Change your spiritual diaper, okay? <laughs> All right? You've got to handle this sin. Get rid of it. Don't cover it up. Repent of it and leave it before God. Okay? So your sin. Here's the other thing that prevents a lot of us from, from listening to God is distractions. All right? This is probably going to be one that slaps a lot of us in the face, including myself. Um, we live in the greatest time of distraction. Do you guys agree? Yeah, it's crazy, right? Uh, the news is so distracting, right? Uh, I always say the worst thing that happened to our country is the 24-hour news cycle, right? It's always going and always going. And, and then all these opinions come in and stuff. And it's just not even news anymore. But it's extremely distracting. Sports, extremely distracting. Politics, good Lord, extremely distracting, right? Technology, I imagine everybody has the mark of the beast in their pocket. Just kidding, just kidding, right? But, but you've got the phone in your pocket, right? And, and, you know, it's funny. The other day I was doing some work. And I'm trying to get my message ready, and then I hear that, that noise, bing, and it's my, it's my text message. And so I'm trying to work, and I'm just like, and, and I, can't, I can't leave an unread text, you know? It's so distracting. So now i got to, like, silence my phone and put it in a different room or something. But, but if you think about it, a lot of us are distracted and w with a lot that's going on, and the devil loves this. He's a big fan of it, big fan of it. He's a big fan of the distraction. Because here's the reality. When you're distracted, you're probably not listening to God. If you're distracted, you're probably not listening to God. It's a trick that the devil does. And it goes even a step further is that a lot of the things that distract us are not necessarily bad. Okay? This phone, the phone in itself is not bad. It's a, it's a piece of machinery, right? However, if you allow it to distract you from hearing from God, then it becomes bad. This is where idolatry comes in, right? If the, the moment you're putting things in front of God, they become idols in your life. And, and, and so there's, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to your phone. I have a shared calendar. I like to check the weather. I check my sports, all this kind of stuff, right? But again, if you allow it to, it can prevent you from listening to God. So the other day, my wife sends me this picture. I want to show you this picture real quick. Go ahead and put it up on the screen if you don't mind. This, uh, just look at this picture for about 10 seconds. And I want you to, I want you to interpret what you think this picture is saying. All right, here's what I think. My wife gave me this. She showed me this picture. She goes, what do you think this picture is saying? The first thing I thought about when I saw this picture, I was like, this, th there's so much spiritual 
ness going on here, right? So clearly you got two gardeners up there. They're trying to tend this garden to make it look the way they want it to look. And in this picture, the, gar- the lawn looks great while everybody has their head down looking at their phone. Okay? Things are great. However, when you peek your head up, what's going to happen to that guy in the background? He's about to get ran over by a lawnmower. Okay? And as I was looking at this picture, it got me thinking. Where I was like, man, is this how Christians are nowadays? Is this how a lot of us are where we're just looking, we're so distracted that we're looking down and we don't look up and see what God is doing? And, and, and here's the, here's the, it goes even a little further than this, is that the devil wants you to have your head down. You know why? You're not a threat to the devil when your head's down. When your head is up in that, that right there, you become effective as a Christian. And the devil does not like effective Christians. He does not want you to be effective And so one of the things we try to teach at this church, and this is one of the things I love here, is we never want to teach you that when we talk about this abundant life, that it means it's going to be a life of comfort. If you look, I mean, look in the New Testament. In the New Testament, time and time again, people that are following Jesus are persecuted, they're killed, they're ridiculed, they're beaten. I mean, it's, it's, it's the least comfortable life to be a Christian. So, so when we're talking about this abundant life, when your head is up and you're listening to God, here, the disclaimer here for you guys, expect resistance from the devil because now your head is up and he, he sees you as a threat, okay? The devil does not want you to be effective. In fact, there's a quote I read. I don't know who said it. It's anonymous, but uh, the quote's on the screen here. It says, don't let the noise of the world keep you from hearing the voice of the Lord. I'd write that down. We'll leave that up on the screen there for a minute. Do not let the noise of the world keep you from hearing the voice of the Lord of the Lord. Distractions, sin, all of these things will drown out the voice of God in your life. Don't allow it, okay? So that's question number one is, are you listening? Here's question number two, and write this one down is, are you grateful? Are you grateful? Now, this is a big one. My, my wife, Brittany, um, big fan of my wife. I like her a lot, and she, she does this thing called a gratefulness journal or a gratitude journal, and in this journal, what she'll do is she'll write down all of these different things that she's grateful for, and I, I was looking through her journal once, and uh, I think it was actually Scott Leewald who said it, but he was like, man, you're pretty low on that list, aren't you? And I'm like, what? And I look at the list, and I'm all the way down here, and I'm like, thought I'd be a little higher on the list. Okay, whatever. So, but she's writing all these things that she's thankful for, and the funny thing about about the blessings of God is that we, we have a tendency to forget them, right? When she was writing that, she encouraged me to do this. I did it for a week or two, and I'm doing it, and I'm writing them down, and I'm like, and then you look back a week later, and you go, oh, yeah, when things were bad, I go, oh, God has been blessing me. Don't we forget how God blesses us over and over again? It just, it's like we have amnesia or something. We just forget these things, and I'm telling you now, a grateful heart helps you hear from the Lord, when you show gratitude to God, you hear from the Lord. And sadly, a lot of us, we forget what God has done in our lives. I ask people like this question, how's God blessed you? And they just go, I don't know. I'm like, you should. <laughs> like every day God blesses you in more and more ways, right? And if you keep reading the gospels, you'll read there's, Jesus did some amazing things. He healed people. He did all these amazing things. And this was one of the, the most, I would say, distinguishing features of Jesus's ministry was the healings that he performed. Um, In fact, let's look at one of these. This is from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. And this will be on the screen as well. It says, while traveling to Jerusalem, uh, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. And as Jesus entered a village, 10 men with leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance because they have leprosy. And he said, they raised their voice saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going to the priests, they were cleansed. 
But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice he gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him. He was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, looking around, he's like, we're not ten cleansed? Why are there only nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he told him, he said, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Now, this is a story of gratitude, right? One of these lepers, only one leper came back. Of all the ten, only one came back and showed gratitude. And I'm telling you this, a lack of gratitude shows and proves that you don't see Jesus correctly. Every single day, you should thank God for what Jesus did on the cross for you if you're a Christian. Amen? You should every day. I mean, it's the, it's the greatest gift known to mankind. And, and, and what do we do? We tend to forget about it. We tend to just take it for granted, right? Gratitude. That's, that's why this leper, he, he came back and he said, thank you. And, and Jesus was, I mean, he's like, where are the other nine, right? I, maybe it's not natural for us to be so gracious or to show gratitude, I mean. And so, so again, if you see Jesus correctly, if you don't miss what he's doing, you can't help but be thankful for what he did on the cross. You can't help it. And this is why we praise and worship God. It's because of what he has done for us and what he's doing for us. All right? Pastor Frank the other day in staff meeting was, was telling us, he goes, who in here has gotten Christmas cards? And I was like, I have. And, and he goes, how many thank you cards have you written? And I was like, mm, I need to get on that. <laughs> so if you gave me something, uh, just give me a week or so. I promise I'm going to give you a thank you card afterwards. But, but there's something about it. Like, you know how it is when if you give a gift to somebody and they just take it and they go, and they walk away, you're like, uh, thank you. You know, I mean, this is, this is exactly how God is. So here's my question with this one is, are you grateful to God? And then even a step further is, does your life say thank you for all that Jesus has done for you? You, you can say it with your words all you want, but if your life doesn't show uh, gratefulness, you know, if, if, if the answer is no, you're probably not hearing from God and you're probably missing out on what God wants for you. Okay. So are you listening? Are you grateful? And then the final point here, number three is, is your hope in someone or something? Is your hope in someone or something? I'll tell you a quick story. Um, a couple years ago, our church staff went to a conference in Kentucky. And while we were there, we were at this really nice restaurant. And so me and the other pastors were sitting around, and, and I've got my back to the bathroom. I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, I think it was Pastor Scott Lee Wall, and he just goes, dude, turn around, turn around. And I turn around, and the coach of uh, Kentucky basketball was there, John Calipari. And I was like, oh, and, and Ohio State was going to play Kentucky this year, all right? And so I was like, ooh, this will be good. So I get up and I follow him into the bathroom, all right? So he's in there, and he's at the urinal. He's standing over there. I walk up to the urinal beside him, and I'm just like, you know, trying to, like, trying to be too awkward about it. It's, it's the number one cardinal rule of men using the urinals. You never make eye contact, but I broke that rule, all right? So and I, just, I just look over, and I'm just like, hey, uh, you're John Calipari, right? And he goes, uh, Yeah. I said, oh, that's cool, that's cool. And then, and then we finish up, and then we go over to the sink, and we're all washing our hands. I followed him to the sink as well. I mean, it was really creepy, especially as I tell this story. I see how creepy it was, but, but we're washing our hands, and I was just like, hey, so uh, uh, how's your team going to do this year? He goes, hopefully pretty good. I said, okay. I said, you guys, uh, you playing Ohio State this year, right? And he goes, yeah. I said, you going to win? He goes, hopefully. And I said, well, I hope not. And he, and he goes, and then he just goes, what? And I was like, go Buckeyes! And then I ran out of the bathroom, all right? And so I... I run back, I run back at my seat, my heart is pounding. I was like, dude, I just said go Buckeyes to the Kentucky coach. It was awesome. And then he came out of the bathroom and was just like kind of looking and stuff. And I'm sitting there. And, and, and it, it occurred to me afterwards, I was like, man, I'm willing to do some crazy things for the team I love. All right? It's nuts. And if we're not careful, I mean, obviously I love the Buckeyes, right? 
But if you're not careful, my love could go too far, right? I could have, I could put my hope in these things. People put their hopes in created things all the time. And what happens is when you put your hope in something, uh, they tend to let you down, right? Can anybody think of a way that the Buckeyes let us down on November 26? <laughs> it's been tough, guys. I work, I work with a couple of Michigan fans. It's really tough. But anyways, let's move on. So, Again, don't put your hope in things of this world. Put your, thing, put your hope in Jesus. This is the reality of created things. We were never meant to put our hope and our identity in created things. We're supposed to put our hope in someone. Now, when I say someone, I'm not talking about your spouse. They're going to let you down. Heads up. Don't put them in your kids. They're going to let you down for sure. They're going to put a diaper over their dirty diaper. All right, trust me. All right. People are going to let you down. There's one person who will never, ever let you down. Who is it? Say his name. Jesus, right? Jesus, he's, he's the one. If you put your hope and trust completely in Jesus, you can get through anything, anything. And remember, I'm not telling you you're going to live a life of comfort, right? If you read the book of Acts, you're going to see story after story of people doing amazing things in the name of Jesus, right? At Pentecost, in the book of Acts, over 3,000 people got saved that day. At Pentecost, uh, fire floated over people, and they had the gift of tongues to go into the world and spread the gospel. It was amazing. If you keep reading, there's Christians who were willing to die for their faith. They died for what they believed. Um, and, and you can even, there's tons of books and stories and stuff. There are people not listed in Scripture who have done amazing things for Christ. People, I mean, guys, just turn on a news feed right now. There are places in other parts of the world where people are literally putting their life on the line. There's a book called Jesus Freaks uh, by the band DC Talk. I don't know if anybody remembers DC Talk. It was a band that I grew up listening to. But they had their, their one of the greatest Christian albums of all time, by the way, is DC Talk's Jesus Freak. Buy it, listen to it on Spotify. It's awesome. But they, they wrote a book about uh, martyrs, Christian martyrs who had laid down their life for Jesus. And I was looking at this book, and I was reading through it. And there's a story that I came across. It's only two sentences. But I, as I read this, I want you to think, is this a person who's put their hope in Jesus or in the things of the world? Okay, here it is. Ready? It says, a communist officer looked down at a Christian that he was beating. He was beating him with a rod. He was beating him, and he looked down, and he said to him, I am almighty, as you suppose your God to be. I can kill you. And then the Christian looked up at the communist officer, and he said, the power is all on my side. I can love you while you torture me to death. Isn't that really good? I can love you while you torture me to death. That's power because that doesn't come naturally. When people are beating you, you don't just go, oh, man, I love you, man. You're awesome. No, you go, get off of me, and you want to kill this person. So this power that he's talking about has to be a power not of his own. It's a power from the Holy Spirit that he can, in the midst of this, love this person while he's beating him. Is your hope in someone or is it in something? And I'll, I'll end. Um, let, me, let me tell you one more story real quick. So... So there, there's a, a comedian, I won't say his full name, but his, his first name is Kevin, okay? And Kevin is a famous comedian that uh, I don't know what his relationship is with the Lord, but Kevin is, uh, he was telling this story on a talk show once about how his mom really tried to get him to go to church while he was growing up, and she was like, it's important that you listen to God. It's important that you listen to God. And Kevin was just like, okay, mom, I get it. I get it. Like a lot of teenagers, like, I know that's how I was. Got it, mom. Got it, right? So he wants to go into comedy. It's a dream of his, and and he tells his mom, and his mom said, tell you what, why don't you for one year give comedy a chance? 
Just give it a shot, right? If it doesn't work after a year, maybe that's God's way of telling you it's not what you're supposed to do or whatever. You know, maybe that's, maybe you need to find a different dream. And he goes, okay, mom. So he's doing this dream. He's going to comedy clubs. He's, he's, he's not big, but he's meeting, he's making connections. He's got all of these uh, new people that he's meeting. He's making a little bit of money, but not enough to pay the rent. So he calls his mom and he goes, mom, six months into this year long thing. And he goes, mom, I need some rent money. Like, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. I'm already a month behind. Can you send me some rent money? She goes, hi, honey. She goes, have you, have you read your Bible today? And he goes, no, 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 I'm asking for money. And she goes, I know, read your Bible and then we'll talk. And then she hung up on him. And he goes, what? So, so a couple of days go by and he just goes, this is crazy. I'm going to call my mom again. So he calls, he's like, hey, mom, mom, I need some rent money. And she goes, how's your Bible reading going? He goes, I'm not reading my Bible. I don't have time for God right now. I'm doing this comedy thing. She goes, read your Bible and then give me a call back, all right? And he goes, oh, and then she hangs up on him again. And then, so finally, he's just like, oh, whatever, I'll just read the Bible just to appease my mother, and then I'll call her back. So he goes, he picks up his Bible, and when he opens it, six checks fall out of his Bible, and it's the rent for the next six months. And then he calls his mom, and he goes, should have been reading my Bible. She's like, yes, you should have, right? And, and, and here, here's, this is what I want to say about this story. I'm not saying that if you go home today and open your Bible, uh, six months of mortgage is going to fall out, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Because isn't it funny, the world sees abundance differently than we do as Christians. Okay, we see abundance a little bit, a little differently. Like, especially in America, abundance in America is wealth and comfort and all of these different things, right? But for us as a Christian, it's, it's following God's direction. That, that man who was getting beaten was living the abundant life. That communist guy that was beating that man, if you had asked him, do you live the abundant life? He'd be like, oh, I'm living the abundant life. As he's getting beaten to death, Right? So, so just like that story said, and, and Miss Kathy, you can come out and start playing if you want to, but, but as, that, as, as I was just saying in that story, like, go to God. That, that comedian, it was like he opened his Bible and then, and then those checks fell out. I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Turn to God. Listen to God. Open your Bible. Hear from God. Keep your eyes open and see what God is trying to do in your life. Um, that verse that says, pray without ceasing. Obviously, you shouldn't have your eyes closed while you're driving your car, right? So what does it mean, right? It means, I think a lot of times we think prayer is us talking to God, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of the time prayer is us listening to God. It's us hearing from God. And so what I try to do in my life is, if I feel God leading me a direction, I wait for confirmation. I'll say, is God opening a door here? Is he confirming that? And this is a way that we're listening to God. The number one way to hear from God is to read your Bible. And again, I say this often, it's like a lot of Bibles are collecting dust on shelves in Christian homes, and it shouldn't be this way. So like I said, if, if God blesses you with wealth, awesome, that's amazing. If he blesses you with a great family, that's awesome, that's amazing. If God blesses you by calling you to missions and you're going and you're, you're being beaten for your faith, God bless you. You're doing what God has called you to do. Live the abundant life. The best life you can live is when you follow God's direction. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you need. He knows what you don't need. And God has a plan for us. And how many of us are missing out on this? So again, I want you to have FOMO over this. I want you to fear that you're going to miss out what God has for your life. And so in just a second, we're going to pray. And as we do, I, I think there's probably three kinds of people in this room, okay? And, I, and I'm going to pray for all three of you kinds, okay? Here's the first kind. Maybe you're in this room and you're a believer, you've given your life to Jesus, and you are living the abundant life. You're sold out to God. You're just saying, listen, God, I will go wherever you tell me. If that's you, awesome, keep it up. 
I know your love in life, right? I know that you feel fulfillment. You don't feel empty. You know, the things of this world, they temporarily fulfill us, don't they? This is why, like, I love when people are older and they turn to Jesus and they just go, man, I was living the life of drugs, sex, uh, career, all this stuff. None of that stuff fulfilled me like Jesus did, right? So if you're living that way, awesome, keep it up. I'm going to pray for you. Secondly, maybe you're a Christian in here today and, and you, you've given your life to Christ, but you're just, you just don't feel fulfilled. Maybe you're saying, man, I feel like I'm missing out. I, I'm, not, I'm not listening to God the way that I should be. Um, if that's you, I want you to just, again, do a self-inventory. You're the only one who can do that. Is there sin in your life that you need to confess of? Are there distractions in your life that are preventing you from hearing from God? Are you, are you grateful to God for what he's done? And is your faith completely in Jesus? All right? Do those things and find fulfillment in Jesus. I'm going to be praying for you as well. And then finally, the third person is somebody, maybe you're in this room and you've just never given Jesus a shot. You've never given him a chance. You've heard about him. Maybe you grew up in church and you're just like, it's just not for me. But I imagine if you're, if you're honest with yourself, there is an emptiness that's probably there. You know, the, the cool thing about what Jesus did is that all of us have sin in our lives, right? And when Jesus came and died on that cross, that's where we were supposed to be. Like, sin sends you to hell. Like, it's, it's the sin in your life that separates you from God. And God sent Jesus to say, hey, you know, sinful Matt Clark here, I'm, I'm going to pay that price. Jesus is going to pay that price on the cross so that you don't have to. And so when you accept that gift, Pastor Frank, it was his whole message yesterday, he's talking about the gift of Jesus, right? When you accept that gift, you don't have to die in that place. Jesus did it for you. That right there is, it's the best gift of all time. It's the most fulfilling gift. It's the gift that will never stop being satisfying. And so, so if that's you, if that's you and you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus and you know deep down there, there's a void, there's an emptiness inside of you, allow God, listen to the calling of God, okay? He's, he's, he wants you. He wants you so bad. So if you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus, you know, it's, you, you pray, you ask for forgiveness. You say, God, I'm a sinner. I thank you that Jesus died on the cross and has taken that sin away. And Lord, I dedicate my life to you. Uh, you are the Lord of my life. If, if you want to pray that prayer, I'm going to be down here at the end. I would love to talk with you. Maybe you got some questions about, about God. Uh, listen, I'll be honest with you. I always tell people, the more I study the Bible, the more questions I have about God. I'm like, man, this is, this is not getting, I mean, there's some complicated stuff. So if you got questions, come and talk to me. I would love to. Because this is what I always say, Jesus is always the answer.